All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Darren Freeman. And today we are beginning our year in breakdowns of each position group, starting with the quarterback spot. So today we're talking all about Matt Ryan, the past, the present, and the future of the Atlanta Falcons at the quarterback position. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, putting weekly content up at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Falcons will feature uh, me talking about the quarterback position. We're beginning our year in positional breakdowns. We go each position group, starting off with the most important position on the field, the quarterback position. And we'll be talking quite a bit about Matt Ryan reviewing his season, as well as what's next for the Falcons, not only for Matt Ryan, but potentially uh, as they look ahead to potentially draft a quarterback that may or may not be a possible long-term solution. Uh, to replace Matt Ryan down the road. But before we get into all of that, guys, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked on Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, as well as now on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. And when you do, give us a thumbs up and give us that like. So let's start off by recapping Matt Ryan's 2021 season. And basically, if I was to summarize my assessment of Matt Ryan's 2021 going month by month, I would say September was pretty rough. October, he played great. November was again rough. And then December and heading into January, he was fine. Right? I think there are certainly factors, outside factors beyond Matt Ryan that lead to those outcomes. Um, but I think one of the benefits I've had of watching film over the years and the last decade that I have been watching film Uh, on a regular basis is that you kind of learn to be able to isolate the quarterback from his environment, uh, which usually revolves around being able to look at three factors that the quarterback typically has complete control over. And that's read progression and throw. Um, And particularly during that November stretch of the season, I felt like Matt Ryan kind of struggled in those three areas. And Kurt Warner did a, a detailed breakdown of some of those instances on his YouTube channel uh, so I think he was looking at the Jaguars game. So go check that out. Maybe I'll link to it in the description below if you want to see that. But we're not going to get into that. We're not going to rehash that on today's podcast. Um, uh, we'll just kind of focus on those environmental, those outside factors that Matt Ryan doesn't necessarily have control over as a, a major contributing factor to why we saw a downturn in his season. And I certainly think the offensive line and its struggles were probably the biggest factor in why Matt Ryan struggled as much as he did this season. And we saw that especially at the beginning of the season and then towards the end of the season, uh, particularly going into November. Um, And then you also talk about the other factor, which is the lack of weapons, uh, which particularly during that November stretch when Calvin Ridley first stepped away from the game, a lot of people blamed for Matt Ryan's struggles during that month. Um, and I certainly think not having Calvin really did have a significant negative impact on Matt Ryan's play, although I don't know if it was as significant as some people would like to portray it. 
in in that regard. Like it certainly had an impact, but I don't, I don't know if it was like the thing that made or broke Matt Ryan as some people will portray it as. And part of the reason why I believe that is because to me, what Matt Ryan was missing was that sort of go to do or die must have, you know, those do or die must have situations, the guy that he could go to reliably in that situation. That's not really Calvin Ridley's game, particularly to win those contested cat situations in those instances. Um, and really the player that has always been that guy for him throughout his career and particularly over the last decade was Julio Jones. And so when we talk about the lack of weapons, I think really what we're having a conversation about is, is not having Julio Jones this season. And particularly when we go back and look at the year one struggles that Matt Ryan has consistently had over the last six, seven years, when the Falcons have made a change at the offensive coordinator position, going back to Kyle Shanahan in 2015, then transitioning to Dirk Cutter in 2017, of course, Dirk, I'm sorry, Steve Sarkeesian in 2017, Dirk Cutter in 2019, and now Arthur Smith in 2021, you know, up until this season, Julio Jones had always been there to be that dude uh, that he could always rely on that when he was uncomfortable with what the play was called, when he was not comfortable with the blocking in front of him and all these various factors, these environmental factors that weren't great for him, that weren't leading Matt Ryan to play his best football, playing with the timing, the precision, uh, and, and the, at the level of play that we know he is capable of, he could always sort of say, look, I know this one guy's going to get open. I know this one guy's going to catch the football uh, and I can throw the ball. And if that means locking on Julio Jones and so be it. Um, and I think, you know, you go back to a conversation we had before the season, back, I think, in August, talking about whether or not not having Julio Jones be that guy this season was going to have a negative impact on the season. Because then I talked about Calvin Ridley's not really that guy, um, you know, and Kyle Pitts, to a lesser extent, is also not really that guy as gifted as he is. When you go back and you watch his college film, that like he wasn't winning in those sort of contested catch situations to the degree uh, at Florida that I think a lot of people assumed he was. Um, and I think that was somewhat on display this past season. And, and particularly during that November stretch, one of the things that we talked about on the podcast frequently was the, the frequency in which Matt Ryan was kind of locking in on Kyle Pitts, you know, pre-snap and, and post-snap and whatnot. Um, and it didn't necessarily really pay off for Matt Ryan in a major way, uh, in the ways that it potentially could have, if that had been Julio Jones in those situations. And that's not meant to be a knock on Kyle Pitts as I am particularly optimistic that as his and Matt Ryan's rapport continues to develop and grow, uh, going into this upcoming season, you will see Kyle Pitts grow more into that type of outlet that could be that sort of reliable, uh, option for him in those sort of do or die situations. So we'll see about that. And that's part of the reason why I do remain optimistic, despite my frequent criticism of Matt Ryan on this podcast, that, you know, he will improve uh, going from 2021 to 2022, as we have seen him consistently do going into year two with a new coordinator. Um, to me, the question is going to be how much improvement Matt Ryan shows. And that's what we'll get into as we continue today's Locked on Falcons postseason year-in positional review of the quarterback position. But before we get there, guys, of course, I again want to thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. And I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And today, let's talk about the Locked on Hoss podcast where host Brad Roland is as usual, killing it, giving you all the lowdown on all things Atlanta Hawks, uh, giving you you know the scoops on why the Hawks aren't necessarily performing up to expectations this season and, and maybe ways that they can get back to that. So go check out the Locked on Hawks 
podcasts free and available on the same podcast platforms in which you can find Locked on Falcons. Now, it's a new year, and that means people have New Year's resolutions. And usually at this point in time in the month uh, or the calendar year, a lot of people are dropping their New Year's resolutions. But a way that you can maintain if one of those resolutions is eating healthier uh, is including a built bar. In your plan, Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. You know, eating healthy can be hard. It can also be pretty boring. Boring, And, and Built Bar makes eating healthier fun, makes it easier to stick to your resolution beyond two or three weeks uh, because Built Bars taste good. Taste so good, in fact, that you'll actually want to eat them. Uh, even if you're not necessarily a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good. And is good for you. Built Bars are low in sugar, calories and carbs, high in protein and fiber. So go check out Built Bars at Built.com. There's a variety of flavors, including Churro Puff. They're limited time flavor that is back. You can always get Churro Puff, Eggnog, Caramel Macchiato, Coconut Brownie Chunk, as well as the tried and true favorites like cookies and cream, salted caramel, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, etc. So go to Built.com. And when you do, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Basically, any way you slice it, Matt Ryan is coming off one of the worst seasons he's ever had. Uh, and the hope is, you know, the need is that he's going to improve in 2022. And when you look at the advanced metrics to sort of really judge that 2021 season, you know, you look at football outsiders, their DVOA metric, which is a per play basis. And then they have the DR metric, which sort of translates that per play value to a yardage total. Uh, you look at Matt Ryan's career numbers in those metrics, in both of those metrics, 2021 was Matt Ryan's worst season. You look at Matt Ryan's pro football focus grade. Uh, this was the second worst grade in 2021 that he's had other than 2009. Uh, you look at his expected points or EPA per play, uh, which typically is focused on sort of explosiveness and, and critical plays on third and fourth downs and touchdowns and all these various things. Uh, um, Matt Ryan's had his worst season in 2021. And then again, you look at ESPN's total QBR metric, um, which is also somewhat based on expected points. Also Matt Ryan's career worst year. So one of the things I, I looked at is, you know, going back to this pattern that we've seen consistently repeat itself where Matt Ryan struggles in year one of a coordinator starting in 2015 with Kyle Shanahan and improving the following year in year two um, to sort of see, okay, what's the average improvement that Matt Ryan has made over those last three transitions to maybe tell us and inform us what we can expect from Matt Ryan in 2022. So looking at the improvement from 2015 to 2016, the improvement from 2017 to 2018 with the Sark and then 2019 and 2020 to Dirk Cutter uh, and sort of looking at these four metrics um, DR, PFF, EPA per play, and total QBR to sort of see, okay, wh what can we expect? And if you apply essentially the average improvement that he showed across those three time spans, uh, you could expect in terms of DR, Matt Ryan's 2022 numbers will probably be on par with Mac Jones around 13th in the NFL. Uh, his PFF grade will be about on par with Mac Jones for 11th best in the NFL. Uh, his EPA per play would be 20th best in the NFL behind two attack on Viloa. And then his QBR would be 19th best uh, behind Tua. So not necessarily massive improvements in those regards where we're looking at Matt Ryan having a really great season. Now, 
let's understand that when we look across these metrics, you know, there was a massive improvement for Matt Ryan under Shanahan from 2015 to 2016, a modest improvement from um, 2017 and 2018 under Sark. And in some of these metrics, actually a, a, a small decline from 2017 to 2018. And then you had another sort of significant jump from dirt cutter from 2019 to 2020, uh, but not anywhere close to what we saw in 15 and 16. Um, and so if you were to assume, okay, well, maybe Matt Ryan can make a comparable jump uh, from 2021 to 2022, like he did in 2015 to 16, that would probably mean across these four metrics, uh, pretty much across the board, he would finish somewhere in the top six to 10 quarterbacks uh, in all of these metrics if he had a comparable jump from you know 2021 uh, into 2022. I don't have that level of optimism that Matt Ryan is about to make that type of leap, largely due to the fact that I don't put Arthur Smith on the same um, you know pedestal as Kyle Shanahan, although as I've mentioned many times in the podcast over the last couple of months, if you would rewound the clock to January of 2016, right after the heels of that 2015 season, I didn't necessarily have Kyle Shanahan on that type of pedestal either. So we, we could be wrong in that regard, but I also don't think the environment or I'm not expecting at this point in time that the environment that Matt Ryan's going to find himself in 2022 is going to be significantly better uh, to potentially compensate if Arthur Smith isn't that caliber of play caller to make it that a likely outcome. And particularly if you are one of the Falcon fans that still refuse to give Kyle Shanahan any of the credit for the improvement uh, that the team in the offense made in 2016. And you want to say it's, you know, Alex Mack and, and Taylor Gabriel and Muhammad Sanu were the causes of all that sort of stuff. But uh, we know going into 2022 bottom line is that Matt Ryan's going to need to have a big year. Um, it's kind of a make or break year for Matt Ryan and, you know, we can sit here and insist all day long that Matt Ryan is not the problem, which I 100% agree with. He is not the problem. But the real issue, I think, moving forward is not really about whether Matt Ryan is the problem. It's whether or not Matt Ryan is the solution. Uh, and I think you look back at how the Falcons have built themselves, particularly over this last decade, they've built themselves and they've believed themselves to be a team that was capable of winning a Super Bowl and have tried to build a winner, uh, a team capable of winning a Super Bowl around Matt Ryan. And of course, we're all aware as Falcon fans of how close they have gotten to achieving that. But unfortunately, they've fallen a, a little short. And the question is going to be moving forward, do the Falcons adopt a similar approach, which is continuing to build around Matt Ryan as if this team is only a, f a few pieces away? And I think this upcoming season is going to really sort of determine that, right? If we're basing it purely off of the 2021 season, it looked like the Falcons are pretty far away from being a Super Bowl team, let alone a playoff team based off of how they performed against some of the better teams that they face this upcoming season. And essentially the argument I'm making, unless the Falcons can show a significant leap in year two under Arthur Smith to close that gap, I'm not sitting here saying that the Falcons have to go to the NFC championship game next year, but you know, if they're not at least in a position next year where they're in a similar position, place at the very least to where teams like the Chargers or the Browns or the Saints currently are, which is teams that were on the cusp of making the playoffs. And certainly when we compare them to some of the teams that we saw this past weekend in the playoffs, we can sit there and make a case that maybe they would have been better options uh, than some of those teams and certainly capable of, of being playoff teams and, and teams that are maybe one or two pieces away from, you know, not only making the playoffs, but potentially winning a playoff game. You know, if, if the Falcons can't hit that sort of benchmark, you know, I, I think that's going to spell trouble 
for this team moving forward, but also particularly Matt Ryan. And ultimately, you know, when we're having this conversation and this debate that we've had over the last several months about, you know, how much of the Falcons problem is related to lack of talent, that's really what we're, you know, talking about is, you know, do the Falcons have enough talent to be that sort of team? And essentially the argument that so many people have been making uh, in that time, you know, probably to some of them unbeknownst to them, they've been making these arguments as a way to excuse Matt Ryan's performance. But I think ultimately what you're really arguing uh, is that if we're that far away from a talent standpoint, then why does it really make any sense to continue to invest significant resources, i.e. cap space, you know, into the quarterback position? And, you know, before we move on, let me make it clear. I'm not necessarily blaming the Falcons' lack of talent or their struggles on the fact that Matt Ryan's contract exists, as I've explained several times. The Falcons whiffing on free agents, whiffing on draft picks, you know, blowing late-game situations isn't because Matt Ryan's making, you know, X amount of dollars. Uh, You know, those are separate issues. But it is one of those things that when you look at sort of the direction of the team, it doesn't really make a ton of sense that if you're, you know, several years away from uh, being not only a playoff team, but a, a Super Bowl contender, why does it make really any sense um, to continue to pay your quarterback a, a significant premium um, if he's not necessarily solving that problem and in, in shortening your timeline? Um, and, you know, so far that conversation has basically revolved around the idea because the Falcons don't really have better options. And the point I'm trying to make is if Matt Ryan can't show that he is the best option for this team moving forward in 2022, it's going to be time for the Falcons to start looking at finding a potentially better option. And that may come as early as this upcoming draft. And that's what we're going to get into as we continue today's uh, Lockdown Falcons talking about the backup quarterback position and whether or not that is a potential draft pick that could wind up being that better option down the road than necessarily Matt Ryan moving forward. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I want to let you guys know that uh, if you check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, one of the flagship national shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, they are going on the road um, next month uh, to visit L.A. for a Super Bowl week. And of course, you can follow the Peacock and Williamson NFL show today. Uh, so make sure that you get that comprehensive coverage, not only of the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks, but of course, all the things going on around the NFL uh, between now and then. And of course, Peacock and Williamson is free and available on the same podcast platforms, of course, that you can find locked on Falcons. Um, and, you know, talking about building up to the Super Bowl with Peacock and Williamson, uh, Brian and Matt, you know, you got to build up to the Super Bowl with some money so that you can lay it all down on, on Super Sunday. Um, and of course, bet online remains the number one spot for all your sports wagering action, not only later this year in uh, Super Bowl, but throughout the year of 2022. It's a new year. And of course, there's a new website at betonline.ag. Make sure you head over there, sign up today, and use the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get $100 in free money to play with. And whether you're betting on football, Basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And, and just in case you guys needed an update, yes, I did win my three-team parlay. So I, I got a nice little bit of money uh, ahead of my birthday. Uh, and I appreciate everybody that wished me a happy birthday on Tuesday. 
uh, where most of you guys aren't listening to this, but, uh, you know, you know, if you want to get yourself a little bit of birthday scratch, go head on over to bet online where the game starts. So, you know, one of the issues that the Falcons are going to have to deal with, as I've just discussed is, you know, 2022 potentially being Matt Ryan's last shot to prove that he can be a solution at the quarterback position. And essentially if he can't, or more accurately, if the team cannot, then I, I feel like we're getting to that time where it's time to start cutting the cord and, and moving on. You know, I, I say that because it's it's tough because, you know, to a lot of folks, that's disrespectful to Matt Ryan, given all that he's done to, for this organization, which I understand uh, perfectly. But at a certain point, you, you, you got to build towards the future and you can't be stuck in the past. Um, and potentially that future comes this April. And one of the things I discussed earlier this week on Tuesday uh, was the idea behind the Falcons drafting a quarterback and why it made total sense. Um, and I, I feel like the circumstances that the Falcons find themselves as they look towards the future, starting this off season and particularly this draft means that the Falcons are going to have to be looking to draft a quarterback on probably day two of this 2022 draft. And, you know, I've, I've gotten some feedback from some of you guys and, and some of you, I think are a little too focused on the idea that I have expressed myself in the past that drafting quarterbacks on day two, you know, is essentially a waste of a pick because of the low hit rate on finding franchise guys. And while, you know, the math hasn't changed in that regard, I think you're missing the big picture at this point in time. The big picture is that the Falcons are in a position and have been in a position for the last year um, where it may be time to turn the page on the quarterback position and now, you know, they're more so than last year uh, was the argument I, I essentially made on Tuesday is that they're moving towards that direction. And really, when you look at the best option available for the Falcons this offseason, when it comes to the quarterback position and addressing that backup quarterback position, potentially the future of the position uh, in 2023 and beyond, it revolves around taking a day two quarterback uh, in, in this upcoming draft. And so really ultimately the analytics, the stats or whatever, when we talk about the hit rate doesn't really matter and, and should be overlooked in this case, but I'm sure plenty of you will still argue against it for a variety of reasons. Um, and, uh, I'm not necessarily prepared to go a deep dive on that and to rehash all the points I made on Tuesday's episode. So I, again, I go recommend you checking out that episode. If you want to get more of those sort of main bullet points uh, and get more detailed argument for that. But essentially I will rehash it in the sense that, you know, drafting a quarterback makes total sense because largely if for no other reason, whether we're divorcing it from the conversation around whether we're drafting a potential replacement for Matt Ryan, you know, it's more of immediate need because the backup quarterback situation that the Falcons are currently find themselves in is terrible, right? You know, we, we watch AJ McCarron, who was basically their short-term solution um, signing last year. And instead of drafting a quarterback um, on day two, uh, we saw him struggle this past summer. And, and while I was a vocal defender of AJ McCarron in his performance this past summer, I will not sit here and, and tell you that he played inspiring football. That makes me want to sort of dip back into that well again or anything like that, you know, Basically, the argument I made was like he was a four out of 10 rather than the two out of 10 that people portrayed him as. But like, why are we going back to a four out of 10, even in that situation? And of course, the other option that we had last summer, Felipe Franks, who wound up sticking on the team, of course, Agent McCarron got injured, suffered a season ending injury. Um, 
But Felipe Franks, who did stick on with the roster, you know, the most notable thing that Felipe Franks did this season, other than be terrible when he got on the football field uh, in some garbage time moments was, you know, dabbling as a tight end and playing on special teams and basically being the Falcons version of Taysom Hill. But the fact that the Falcons dabbled with converting Felipe Franks to tight end, which may still wind up being on the table this offseason kind of tells you that he's not really an option uh, for the team as far as a QB two goes. And then you couple that with the fact that even despite that issue, he still surpassed Josh Rosen on the depth chart, seemingly based off of uh, who was active and inactive on game day kind of tells you that that whole Josh Rosen reclamation project that so many of you guys were excited about last August. And you guys know the thing I hate the most as I adjust my glasses you know, and well, actually you guys to death, but you know, the thing I hate to do so often and, and don't judge by the smile on my face, but uh, you know, I hate it when I have to say, I told you so when it comes to that whole Josh Rosen reclamation project. And you guys insisted that all oh, the Atlanta is the perfect environment for him to be reclaimed because Arthur Smith and then Matt Ryan and all the various things. And that did not go particularly well as what we saw in 2021. And so the Falcons need to find a, a new backup quarterback. And, you know, obviously the alternative to drafting one is signing one. And certainly in a world and primarily the world that we have been existing in for the last several years, uh, going back to the past where we were wholly committed to Matt Ryan being the starter for the foreseeable future, you know, for three to five more years, you know, going with a veteran quarterback made total sense, but we're not in that world as I have basically outlined on today's episode and certainly in a world w- which has been the primary world that the Falcons have believed that they lived in. Although, you know, the actuality on the field did not necessarily prove that, but the world that they believed themselves to be in, which was a playoff and Super Bowl contender, you know, going with, <clears throat> sorry, going with a veteran like Matt Schaub made complete sense because you wanted to have that experience backup that in the event um, that you wound up losing Matt Ryan for a game or two because you're a Super Bowl team and you need to have a backup that can come in there and, and toss for 460 yards in a game uh, that could wind up deciding your fate, not only as a playoff team, but potential playoff seating. Uh, and so that made total sense. But again, as I'm sure most of you are aware, it doesn't appear that the Falcons are operating in that sort of world where we're, you know, a game or two away uh, from making the playoffs or, or winning a Super Bowl. We'll, we'll see. Um, and so to me, the idea of going out and signing a veteran free agent to be the QB two just doesn't really make a ton of sense. And then you couple that with, you know, the thing that many of you are concerned about with, you know, the Falcons tight cap situation, frankly, Drafting a quarterback will probably be considerably cheaper and the best bang for your buck uh, to maximize who that QB2 is. Uh, because when you look at, say, the 43rd overall pick, which is the Falcons pick that they own at the top of round two, you know, based off of overthecap.com's projections, that player is going to have a cap hit of roughly $1.6 million this upcoming season. And if you go out there and sign any capable veteran backup, any quality guy, He's probably in caution more than $1.6 million. So if you're looking for a new sort of reclamation project like a Mitchell Trubisky or Marcus Mariota, given that those guys are making more than that in a depressed salary cap, you're probably going to make more than that. Uh, certainly $1.6 million in a year where the, the cap is expected to rebound a little bit more. Um, and then you can certainly still find a veteran cheaper than $1.6 million. AJ McCarron qualifies as that. And you can get a guy for the veteran minimum, which is around $1 million 
this upcoming season. So that's going to be cheaper, but the types of players that you're going to wind up getting are going to be the AJ McCarron types, which we already kind of been down that road and know it doesn't necessarily lead to positive results. And, or you're going to have to go out there and settle for a veteran quarterback, like a Brian Hoyer. That's basically the same age as Matt Ryan. So what's the point of that? Or if you go young at that position, you're probably going to wind up settling for like a Nick Mullins or a Josh Rosen type, which we already know is probably not going uh, to to lead to a positive outcomes. So essentially it boils down whether you think this quarterback is, is has the potential to surpass Matt Ryan. The point I'm still going to make, the argument I'm still going to continue to make is drafting a quarterback still makes the most sense just purely to find a decent backup uh, behind Matt Ryan, let alone the potential um, you know, that the team uh, could wind up finding a halfway decent starter down the road with development time. Even if you believe that Matt Ryan's still going to play another two or three years um, in Atlanta, that's two or three years that you can develop this backup to potentially take over from Matt Ryan, you know, three, four, five years down the road or whatever the case may be. Uh, so to me, the potential reward um, is well worth the potential risk uh, that, you know, the quarterback winds up being a whiff if you take that guy in day two. And of course, if you, if all low roads pe- point to the Falcons drafting a quarterback, of course, the higher you draft that quarterback, uh, makes mo- more sense. You know, a simple analogy is why settle for Sean Renfrey when you can draft Geno Smith. And I use that example because, of course, both of those guys were drafted in 2013, the last time, by the way, that the Falcons drafted a quarterback, was Sean Renfrey in round seven at the very end of that draft. And in 2013, notably comparable to what a lot of people say about this 2022 draft class, was a year that was known to be a down quarterback year. Uh, we saw E.J. Manuel be the, the lone first-round pick, and that didn't work out for Buffalo. And the two best quarterbacks on that draft class – and uh, were day two selections. That was Geno Smith and, and Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon personally was my QB one that year. Geno Smith was my QB two. A lot of people thought Geno Smith should and, and would have been a top five, top 10 pick. But, uh, you know, I had the vision that he wasn't as good as that hyped up to be. But I sit there and I tell you that. And when you have a down year, typically, you know, the odds seem to be in your favor that the day two selections tend to turn out a little bit better than usual. But I know Geno Smith and Mike Glennon type examples aren't necessarily all inspiring. You know, Mike Glennon was the best quarterback that year, Aaron, that you're not making me feel better about drafting quarterback. Um, But I, I will add, and again, I haven't done a deep dive on this quarterback class, but I will add my initial impression, at least of like Carson Strong, is that he's probably on par, if not better. Again, I haven't done a deep enough dive to say this with conviction, but my initial impression is that, yeah, he should be a quarterback on par with what Mike Glennon was, and Mike Glennon was arguably the best quarterback in that 2013 draft class. Again, I know that's not saying much, but the point of me pointing that out is not to sit here and tell you, hey, landing Mike Glennon is a great pick, but in this year's particular draft class, at least the consensus seems to be, and we'll see if this changes over the next couple of months, but the consensus is that Carson Strong is probably the fifth or sixth best quarterback in this year's draft class, and he's already better than arguably the best quarterback. So I say all that because, you know, we're going to hear a lot of conversation about, oh, this is a terrible quarterback class, and it's like, you know, I, I think the basically the point I'm sitting here saying is, like, I think the worst-case scenario is the Falcons find a, a Mike Glenn or Geno Smith type of, of, of player um, if they draft a quarterback. I think the odds are much higher that they're going to find a much better player uh, than that. Uh, so that's kind of the point of me bringing that up. So 
again, I, I think it all points to the Falcons drafting a quarterback and, and hoping that Matt Ryan rebounds and has a, a good year. And hopefully that backup quarterback winds up just riding the bench for a number of years and, and potentially could be developed to be a starter down the road. And while that won't necessarily pay the immediate dividends that I know a lot of people are hoping this draft class is going to have, again, I will continue to stress this all off season long that, you know, going into a, a draft expecting to have immediate payoff is generally going to be a losing strategy. So uh, that's not generally how the draft works. It's, you know, you draft guys and hopefully it pays off to you two, three, four years down the road. So drafting quarterback doesn't change that uh, is essentially the argument I will continue to make. But, um, you know, if you provide, if you want to provide your feedback on anything I've discussed on today's episode or anything you want me to discuss on future episodes, of course, you can provide that feedback by hitting me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons. Uh, on Facebook or Twitter. Of course, you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com or you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. And tomorrow's episode, I think we'll talk about the defense in a similar way that we talked on yesterday's episode about the offense and sort of what are sort of the main issues that the team has to sort of rebuild there. We'll probably talk a little bit about, you know, scheme and DMPs and so those observations. That's where I'm leaning today. And then that will leave us probably Friday's episode to get into the next position group on the year in positional reviews, which is the running back position to wrap up uh, the week. So that's the plan right now. And of course, uh, make sure you stay tuned to the locked on Falcons podcast. Your first listen each and every day. But you know, now that we're wrapping up locked on Falcons, what about a recommendation for your second listen? And of course, got to recommend locked on bets with handicapping expert Lee Sterling, giving you his daily picks, his blowout specials, and of course, Lee's lock of the day to help you win money when you go to bet online that you can then use to buy all those built bars at built.com. So go check out the Locked On Bets podcast, free and available on the same podcast platforms that you can find, Locked On Falcons. So guys, I appreciate it. Until then.